Welcome to the DSM Podcast, featuring Pastor A. Baranapur and his first installment of If You Really Knew Me. If You Really Knew Me, this is a bad one. Lord, forgive me for this one. If You Really Knew Me, you would know that when I started driving at the age of 16, I ran over my neighbor's kitten, and I never told her about, oh, you're, like you know the cat or something? No, you didn't even know the cat, whatever. I ran over a cat, and I never told her. If You Really Knew Me you would know that I post a lot on social media. My stories are ridiculous. And if you really knew me, you would know that on the little album on my phone, I have over 1,000 selfies of myself. I love selfies. How many of y'all in here are obsessed with selfies? We got one over there. How many of y'all? Okay, a bunch of liars up in here, because I know if I open any of y'all's phones, there's tons of selfies. We've got some people praising the truth in the back. Some of y'all, for the, since some of y'all apparently don't take selfies, I'm going to clarify what a selfie is. A selfie is probably one of the most annoying things in the world, but I love it, and I am obsessed with it, and I swear if you were to check my phone, over a thousand selfies just of me. Now, here's the thing about selfies. When that front-facing camera came out, we became obsessed with it. We're like, oh, now I can not only document other people, but I can document myself every single day. And you started taking these pictures, and it began to take over social media. There's even a song out called The Selfie Song. If y'all know that song, came out a few years ago, but it's called The Selfie Song. That's how obsessed we are with selfies. Now, here's the thing. If you go online, how many of y'all have an Instagram up in here? An Instagram, a Twitter, a Facebook, maybe some of y'all on MySpace, I don't know. Okay, 301, to this day, there are 301 million hashtag selfies online. 301 million selfies. are, And those are just the ones that are tagged. Those are the ones that haven't been taken off. 301 million selfies. We are obsessed with taking pictures of ourselves and making them look good. Now, I have a question. This is for all the the older generation in the room. Where are my MySpace people at? MySpacers, raise your hand if you don't don't even know what MySpace is. You're like, I've never been to that website ever. Awesome. You make me feel really old. I think it's been gone for like 10 years now. We haven't really used it for that long. But MySpace, we were the original selfie kings and queens. We used to have to take that picture in front of the dirty bathroom mirror that had like all of our toothpaste on it. We used to do that. And that was during the emo phase where like, you know, you had your hair like over your eyes and everything. MySpace generation, let me get an amen for that and that selfie generation. Now, we post these things. We post these hashtag selfies. And the thing about it is we don't just post any old selfie that we want. It has to be the most perfect selfie. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of y'all are guilty of posting a selfie? How many of y'all are guilty of posting a selfie? Okay. By a show of hands, how many of y'all had to take a few selfies before you got the perfect selfie? Me. every Maddie, I see you right there. I know you post selfies. You did one the other day. Um, go check out Maddie's Instagram. It's... It's all right. Um, you got selfies, all right? You good. So here's the thing. You have to take a photo, and then you have to put this really cool filter on it. You have X-Pro 2. You got Valencia. You got the normal one on there. You have to put these filters. It has to look really cool. You have to edit them. You know what? No shame in my game. Like, I edit every single photo before I throw it online. Like, I have to make everything look so well. But here's the thing. It's not all about the filter. 
What else do you spend most of your time on? The caption. Oh my word, you could be doing the most boring thing, but you have to create the best caption. I mean, I sit in my car. I don't go home till like 10 o'clock because I'm posting pictures from every single Wednesday night. And I'm like, what do I put as this caption? How do I make it sound cool? What do I have to do to make it even better? So you spend all this ridiculous time making things look perfect. And culturally, we have just been trained that everything has to be perfect before other people can see it. The caption has to be perfect. The filter has to be perfect. The photo has to be good. A new trend I just saw is like, girls, y'all are guilty of this. How many of y'all have seen that hashtag, hashtag no makeup, hashtag no makeup? You girls, y'all do this and you're like, I want to be natural today. And you're like, hashtag no makeup. And you're like, you're in this moment. But the thing about it is, if you look up this hashtag no makeup, you're like, this is going to be real. It's going to be authentic. It's just, they're going to see the real true me. But you're taking a hashtag no makeup and you're at like a slamming concert behind you or at a crazy pool party and people aren't seeing the real you. People are not seeing the hashtag no makeup, hashtag no filter, because we still want people to think that everything is really good. Now, this one I'm going to speak to the boys in the room. Boys, how many of y'all go to the gym to go work out? How many of y'all go to the gym to go work out? Okay, nobody here works out in Colorado Springs. All right, we're cool. All right, so we got some boys. Where's the, is Ben, Jed, like y'all are up in here. I know y'all go to the gym. Have y'all been guilty of taking that picture in front of the mirror where you're standing? And here's the thing about gym mirrors. They make you look about 30 pounds lighter than you actually are, but you take that picture, you have your weight to you, whatever. You are the, he's flexing right there. Everybody give it up for Jed. He's flexing right there. But you become the gym selfie person. You want people to think that everything is good, that you are strong, that you are killing the game, that you are swole. But inside, there is something in you that is looking for affirmation because something isn't good. So what is it that makes us only post our best pictures? What is it that makes people think our highlight reel is my actual life? This is what I do 24-7. I think it's the need and the want to be accepted and to look perfect and to feel like you're perfect, not only in your friend's eyes, but in God's eyes as well. But we know as soon as we turn off this phone and that picture is posted, we are still broken. But we have to post the most perfect things. So I have a series of photos, and I'll call them up now. Before I call it this first photo, this was told to me to be the best picture ever of me. Pastor David, uh, his son, took this picture when we went up to Pike's Peak. So can we get that first picture up? Like, bada bing, bada boom. Look at that, man. That is good. That is a good photo. Like over 100 likes. I know, it's whatever. But that's one of my favorite photos. It's my profile picture now. It looks like I'm a mountain man. But man, we didn't even climb Pikes Peak, man. We straight up drove. Like there's no way, glory of God, I'm climbing that mountain. So we have this picture. And then we're going to rewind 11 years to my senior year. Now, <laughs> you know, it's a good photo. <laughs> but let's throw up that senior picture. Oh, look at that guy. Look at that. Look at that. The hottie right there, senior year. So much has changed. Like, I look so different. But I, any of y'all remember Howie Day? Like, I had his hair and everything like that. So, uh, man, that was my glory day. I had a beard. Now, 
do not go to this next picture just yet. I'm going to ask for the utmost grace and love. I was going through a weird <laughs> emo phase, whatever, <laughs> wannabe punk, listening to like Avril Lavigne. I'm a real punk. All right. This is going to be my sophomore picture right here. Oh my gosh, you can't see it that well, but I had like spikes on the top of my head, man. I was at Hot Topic every day. This is when I was still baby-faced. I was, yeah. We can go ahead and, you know what? Yeah, you can go ahead and take that one off. You're good, you don't have to show that one. You have to show that picture ever again. Oh God, glory. If you really knew me, you would know that my highlight reel and my story that you see every single day online isn't as glamorous as my actual story that, I'd had, that I had to live out during my entire life. So I wanna share with you really quickly my testimony before we go forward. I just want you to know who I am as one of your pastors. I wanna be transparent with you about a couple of different things and we'll keep it short, but I did not grow up in a Christian home at all. And, and sometimes I wonder, like, Abe, how are you a pastor right now if, uh, if you didn't grow up knowing about the Lord, if you didn't grow up walking with him every single day? Well, it's only by the grace of God. When I was that emo-looking kid uh, in my sophomore year, um, I had a really good friend. And uh, her name is Savannah. Um, we, throw, we have a picture, I believe, of her. Yes. So that's Savannah right there, San Antonio, Texas. Churchill High School, um, in one of my lowest moments, uh, this girl met me in a keyboarding class and started inviting me to church, started inviting me to hang out with her little circle of friends. I found a group that I really loved. I felt like I belonged somewhere. And slowly she started inviting me to Wednesday night service at her church. It was called Youthquake at the time. And I always said no. I said, I don't need God. I kind of didn't know much about who this Jesus person was. I didn't really think that I belonged in a church. I was a good kid. Um, I just said I was going to go to heaven, and that's it. I don't steal. I don't kill. I don't do anything bad. I'm, I'm for sure going to go to heaven. God loves me. God loves me. And I said no every single time. But little did I know that God was working on me in every single invitation. And one of the hardest parts of my life growing up was at the age of 15, I came in to school one day and um, I had found out that Savannah was killed in a car accident that weekend. And I remember just falling to my knees in the administrator's office when I found out what had happened and I questioned God. And I said, God, if you are so good, why in the world would you take, not only someone that's just good, why would you take someone that's following you and why would it be in such a violent way? Well, God spoke to me in that moment. He said, if this is what I have to do to get your attention, I'm willing to do anything because I love you and I want to reach you. And in that moment, I started going to Youthquake on Wednesday nights. And I remember my very first time, I'm standing at the front of the stage and I just remember lifting my hands in worship, not really knowing what I'm doing, but just listening and being an observant. And God got a hold of my heart. And he changed me. And in one of my most broken moments, God strengthened me. And he was showing off in those moments. He's saying, look at what I can do. I can take you at your lowest moment. And I can raise you up. And I can make you new again. 
And over the next course of about 14 years, God has done that over and over and over again. And I have gone to the mountaintop and I have been in the deepest valleys over the last 14 years. But God is so good. God is so good because in those moments, he has brought me right here to this place. And he has delivered every single time. If you really knew me, you would know that because of that incident, I have the hardest time with keeping people close because I always feel like they're going to be taken away. If you really knew me, the thought of anybody else close to me dying or just physically leaving terrifies me every day. And it makes me so scared to be alone because it takes me back to that moment where God <laughs> had allowed someone to be taken out of my life. But the thing in that, in those weaknesses, one of the points I want you to remember is our weaknesses allow God to supply us with strength. Now here's a disclaimer that I want to make very clear right now. Some of you are sitting in this room and you're saying, man, I can relate to Pastor Abe's story, man. I've been through these hardships and God has delivered me. Or maybe you're still sitting in this, in this little term of adversity and you're saying, but I, but I know God's good and he's going to bring me out of it. And some of you right now, this is for you. This is the disclaimer for the rest of you. Some of you are sitting here like, man, I've had the perfect life. Nothing bad has happened to me. I've never had anyone taken away. Uh, I feel like I'm good and maybe I would be a little bit better. Maybe I would uh, have a stronger relationship with God uh, if God just did this. I need God to wreck my world in order for me to chase him. Absolutely not. I want to make that very clear tonight before we go forward that you do not need that to happen. If God is holding you right now in a pleasant place, in a joyful place, rejoice in that moment. Absolutely. I don't want anyone to leave here thinking that they need to have this terrible moment in order for them to have a good relationship with God. So as a pastor, I'm going to admit, it's very difficult to admit my own faults. It's very difficult to admit the areas where I struggle, the places where I fall every single day. And I walk into this church, I post online how great church is, I do worship, I preach, I do all these things. And I walk around with a smile on my face because I don't think that other people can see my shortcomings. I don't think that other people want to see, hold on, Pastor Abe is struggling with what? Wait, 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 he's doing, he's doing what on the weekends? Wait, his thought process is like this? I don't want them to see that because I feel like they see me in this pastoral role. And I think that goes for a lot of us. We walk in here with a smile and we say, they cannot see me where I am falling because I will be useless at that point. And I think a lot of us have this veil over our face and this false mindset of God also cannot see that side of me. Well, here's the thing. God knows every single thing that you have been through, that you are currently going through, and that you will go through, and he is ready to jump in. He is ready to hold you up and take you if you would only let him. We're going to open up to Isaiah <clears throat> chapter 40. We're going to be in verses 27 through 30. And, and this is writing to the future of Israel. Israel who is still in captivity. This is a word of comfort. And it says, oh, Jacob. Hold on. <clears throat> there we go. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? 
Have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But here we go. But those, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Now it's uplifting. We're saying, man, for those who trust in the Lord, man, God's going to take care of me. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm not going to have these hardships. This one thing that I'm going through, God's going to take it away. But the fourth word in there, it says, for those who trust. For those who trust in the Lord. It is one thing to actually believe that. It is another thing for us to actually live that out. How many of us are sitting here and we're saying, man, I have this dark place in my heart. I have this brokenness from a relationship where my parents did this. Whatever it looks like, you have these dark moments and you're saying, God, why won't you take this from me? It's because I don't think we're actually trusting in him to do it. We don't think that God actually wants to take those things from us. And as a Christian, I think, and, and this might just be me, but I think we give out these gold stars for getting over things really quickly. And I think we give those to ourselves a lot of the times. We say, you know what, I went through this hardship, man, but look at me. Like, I've got to go back to church in a week. Otherwise, people will think that something is up. People will think that I'm questioning my relationship with God. People will think that I'm stumbling. Who cares what people think? Admit what is happening in your life and allow God to come in. Don't you dare sanitize your story just to comfort the people that are around you. Because in that moment, we will miss the comfort that God can provide because we don't want to speak the entire truth. Now here's the thing. You can fall down on your knees and you can say, God, I am trusting you to take this. And there are some moments where God is going to snatch that right up and you are going to be healed of whatever it is. Whatever is in your life that is eating you away, he will take some of that away instantly. But then there are other times where you need to sit in adversity and you just need to watch God be faithful and show you that he loves you. Because you see, when we ask God for comfort, it's like a seed. And sometimes those seeds of comfort need to sit in the soil of adversity in order for them to grow, in order for God to show off. Sometimes we need to sit there. We need to bask in his glory and the amazing things that he is going to do. So I know that I've only been here um, a month and a half, almost two months now. But I know that this is, this is a rough season in Colorado Springs. Right now in Colorado Springs, we have the highest rate of teen suicide. And I know that personally, we've had to live some of that out here in this ministry. And we've had to walk through that valley and we've had to trust God. And one of the things that I have enjoyed every single week is praying with students week after week that are saying, I am trusting that God is gonna take this pain away. I am trusting that God is still going to move in this city. And in that moment of trust, God's going to come through because you are allowing him to take that piece of you. You see, we are cracked and we are broken and we are damaged. And yet for some reason, we see the church as a hospital for the sick, but not for us. 
we see it for everyone else, but we say, I'm, you know what? Everyone else's hurts, everyone else's burdens, they're a little bit more than what I'm kind of dealing with right now. So I'm going to let, I'm going to let God handle them and I'll just hold on to mine. I think I can carry it a little bit longer. And you know, you know my breaks and my fractures, they don't need that urgent of repair. But God is so ready to take those breaks, to take those fractures, and he is ready to make something so beautiful. I want to tell you something, a little cool little artsy thing. It's called kintsugi. We have a picture of what this looks like right here. So what this is, it's a Japanese form of art where the potter, he takes something that's broken like this bowl or a giant piece of pottery, and he finds it in a junkyard. And what he does is he molds it together. And now you see these yellow lines right there. That's not just like an epoxy. That's not glue. It's nothing like that. That's actual gold. That is gold and precious metals that these potters will put into it. And the philosophy behind it is they treat breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise what was once broken. What a beautiful image that God does the exact same thing to us we have these breaks and we have these fractures and God is saying, you know what? I don't want to hide those things. I'm going to make those part of your story and I'm going to make your story even more beautiful than it has ever been. More beautiful than you can ever imagine. And these things, they go on and they sell. What started out as junk, they sell for thousands of dollars because they become treasure to the buyer. The same way we are a treasure to God and he wants to not only fix us, but he wants to show off in the areas where he's been able to step in and strengthen us. So for some of y'all, y'all are this right here. You're probably a little bit better than like a Walmart pottery, but you get the idea. Some of y'all are sitting here and you're like, man, I am perfect. I am made well. I am shaped right. And maybe I'm just going to I'm going to walk into church, and I'm going to put that smile on, and I have everything going right. And in an instant, something comes into your life and breaks you. Something comes in that you can't handle. And all of a sudden, you're sitting here, and you're like, okay, what do I do? How do I gather up the pieces um, maybe I'll just carry this around. Uh, here's another piece right here. Maybe I'll just hold on to this. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go back on my pedestal and I'll stand up. And I'm, I'm not healthy, but as long as I can kind of look all right, then maybe I can fool people into thinking that everything is perfect. And we carry this around. And here's the thing. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this today. I am so guilty of carrying around these broken pieces because I don't want people to see the areas where I am hurt. And it is a mask for what really is going on inside. But how long does this work? You will come back year after year after year. You will sit here every single Wednesday night. You will go to your cadre leader every single Sunday. And you're like, man, I am dealing with the same thing. God, why won't you take it? It's because you've never given it to the potter to fix. You've held on to it and you've said, in my own strength, I can, I can take care of it. I will make it better. But let's be real with ourselves. Let's not lie to ourselves here. 
That is never going to happen, and you will sit in the same place week after week because you are so scared to give God the broken pieces because you think he wants perfection. And here's the truth. God doesn't want your perfection, but God wants your weaknesses so he can make you whole again, so he can make you new again. If you really knew me, you would know that four months ago, I did not want to ever work in a church again. I was hurt by ministry. Um, God had really frustrated me. God had, um, God had allowed some things to happen in my life to really break me down. It really made me question the character of God. It really made me wonder, okay, is this the, is this the God that I've been serving for 14 years? If you knew me, you'd know that since being here, I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with loneliness. I've struggled with self-doubt. I have some of the worst self-esteem. Ever since coming here and still following God, I have these areas. And some of you are wondering, man, well, how in the world did this guy get a job as our youth pastor? It's by the grace of God. When Pastor David called me, he knew some of these things that were going on in my life. He knew some of the self-doubts. And I told him some of the reasons why I was kind of hesitant to come up here and why I didn't really feel like this is what I wanted to do. And I've had these conversations with him since I've been here as well. And the thing is, Pastor David saw the calling in my life and he knew where I was going to end up. He didn't stop when he saw the broken pieces. But he saw the beauty that would happen when we were molded again in gold and in precious metals. He saw what God wanted to do. And he was obedient to what God wanted to do in me. And isn't that a perfect example of what the potter does to these broken pieces? And isn't the potter a perfect example of what God wants to do to every single one of you? I'm going to ask if the band can come back up at this point. So here's the thing. God sees it. God absolutely sees it. For some of you, this broken piece represents, man, my parents got a divorce and uh, it's kind of horrible waking up every day where it's kind of horrible going to a different house every single weekend or not being able to spend time with both of my parents. For some of you, this broken piece represents depression. You wake up in the mornings and you're sitting there and you're saying, God, I don't know why I am so sad. For some of you, you know that reason. You're saying, God, I don't know why this thing happened in my life. I don't know why you allowed me to break down, but I'm broken. For some of you, it's a past relationship that has hurt you. For some of you, it might be somebody else in this room that has wronged you and you're saying, God, like I'm holding on to this bitterness and this shame and this resentment and you can't have it because I think I can do a better job with it. holding on to these pieces and you're not moving forward and you're wondering why and we think God's not really going to use me in my weaknesses God's not going to come in and heal me of these things God's not going to lift me up again why would God ever want to take this and use it for anything but here's one thing I want you to hear here's one thing I want you to hear 
The beauty of the gospel is that power comes via our weakness. You see, what appeared to be Christ's weakest moment, his crucifixion on the cross, was actually a moment of incomprehensible power. Magnificent power that changes the course of history, that allows us to go from this brokenness to this beautiful piece of art. And he wants to do that in every single one of you. You see, his death, by his death and his resurrection, it released the power of salvation and of healing for all of those who believe and all of those who trust in him. Because you see, in the kingdom of God, your weakness is God's strength. So will you walk out in that? And for some of you, you're saying, man, oh man, my weaknesses are just a little bit too big. You mentioned some divorce, you mentioned this. Man, I'm actually, uh, I might be contemplating hurting myself. Some of you have these thoughts in your minds of, God, God would not want this. My weakness is too big. And God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, my grace is all you need. You see, my power works best in weakness. And Paul continues on to say, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, Christ is strong. In your weakest moments, God is waiting to run in if you would just ask him. So what would it look like if we were all to be authentic right now, right here in this moment? What would that actually look like to bring to the table, Father, I am so broken. If you really knew me, you would know. That actually look like if we were authentic today. You see, we think that our strengths are, are, are what define us. We think that that's what's going to get other people through. We think that that's the way we're going to connect with other people. Well, you see, what was once my weakness, dealing with death, I have used that to minister to countless students. And God has said, you know what? I'm going to take you from this valley and I'm going to show you my love so that way you can pour it out into other people who are dealing with the same thing. Turn your weakness into strength for the kingdom of God. The last thing I want you to remember is this. We can impress people with our strengths, but we connect to people with our weaknesses. And we start to see that we're all alike and that we are all the body of Christ that we can support, that we can love one another as long as we allow God to come in. So what wounds are you holding on to? We're going to do something um, that I'm going to ask you to be really bold tonight. And I'm going to ask you to be very vulnerable with some people in this room. What I'm going to ask is if all of our leaders are in the room right now, if y'all would come and line the room. Now, here's special instructions. I don't want y'all blocking these stairs right here because we're going to have a time of worship and of just a, of a prayer and redemption and coming before God. So I'm going to ask if you would start at the speakers and line the room from this side to that side over. Give yourself some room too. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask every student in the room, if you would, if you would just stand up. Stand up right now. 
I think we have enough leaders. If you're any DLA at all in this room, I want you to come up here as well and be a part of this prayer team. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands out in front of you. And I want you to imagine yourself holding one of these broken pieces. What is that broken piece in your life? What is that one thing that, man, if we really knew, man, we would be shocked to know, but we would want to pray over you. We would want to pray for deliverance of that. We would want to pray for God to come in and strengthen that. And I want you to hold it out in front of you, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about it. And whether you have to whisper it to yourself right now, or whether you have to say it in your head, I just want you to be bold, and I want you to say it. I want you to say it out loud right now. And don't worry about anyone listening to the left or to the right. But we are all the body of Christ, and we support one another, and we lift each other up. And all I want you to say is, if you really knew me, and then whatever it is that we would know about you, whatever that struggle is, I want you to say it. And I'm not saying it so that way we can glorify it, but I'm saying it so that way we can bring light to it. And that darkness will be gone because the glory of God is going to shine upon it and he's going to remove it. So I want y'all to do that right now. Maybe you have more than one. Take the next couple seconds and I want you to do that if you really knew me. Let's go. stretch from the back all the way here to the front on both sides. This is all I want you to do. If you want to be free of that, there are people here that want to pray for you, that want to pray for God's strength to overflow in this situation. So what I want you to do is when I dismiss you, I want you to leave your seats, leave your rows, and I want you to find one person. Girls, I'm going to ask you to go with girls and guys with guys. And this is all I want you to say. I want you to go up to them and I want you to be honest. I want you to say, if you really knew me, you would know whatever it is. And then that person is gonna pray over you. And then what I want you to do is I want you to come up to the front and I want you to lay that down at the altar here as we worship. So God, we give you this time. God, I ask that in these next few minutes that these students would be bold, that these students would be courageous to step out in faith and trust that you can heal and that you can restore them, God, that you can take these broken pieces and you can make them new again and you can make them beautiful again. God, we ask all that in your holy and precious name. God, would you move in this place in this moment? So we're going to be continuing this series for, for one more week. And I want to encourage every single one of y'all to come back next week. Bring someone next week, because next week is going to be a DSM unlike anything you've ever seen before. And walls are going to be broken down. Relationships are going to be built as we glorify God and as we walk with Him through some of the hardest areas and we allow Him to heal us. Uh, DSM, it is such an honor and a privilege to be one of your pastors, and I am, I am just so encouraged by the boldness that I saw tonight as people just came forward and said some of the things that they probably never told anyone before. I am so proud, so proud to be one of your pastors. We love you. Travel safe home, and we will see you next week. Have a good night.